I V M. Hello and welcome to the Wire Talks. I'm Siddharth Bhatia. Should marriages between partners who belong to the same sex be permitted? That is the crux of a case being heard in the Supreme Court right now. Petitioners have argued that marriage is a union of two people, not just a man and a woman, while the government is completely opposed to this idea. This is not a simple issue. Many other laws will have to be changed, and that is not in the court's purview. The court has suggested that the government could think of an administrative solution that does not involve the recognition of marriage. And the government has turned around and said that it is open to the idea and that it would set up a committee to look at what could be done. Millions of members of the LGBTQ plus community have been watching this with interest and expectations and a lot of hope. We invited Onir, the well-known filmmaker, to discuss this issue with us. Onir is an Indian filmmaker, producer, screenwriter, and editor whose best-known work is My Brother Nikhil, which was one of the first mainstream Hindi films to deal with AIDS and same-sex relationships. He won the national award for one of his other films, I Am. He's one of the few openly gay directors in the film industry and his memoir, I Am Onir and I Am Gay, is an account of his growing up years and is coming to terms as a gay man. Onir, welcome to the Wire Talks. Thank you. I'm sure like many in the LGBTQ plus community, you've been following the case in the Supreme Court very, very closely. How do you think it's going? You know, there have been ups and downs. Sometimes, like initially, it started with excitement and hope. And then I remembered the 2013 Supreme Court verdict, you know, where we were all hopeful, ready to party in the evening, and it went all the way different. So I think now all of us are much more cautious, you know, especially what has been exhausting and mentally, you know, at times extremely difficult is to see the kind of aggression, to see the kind of hate, to see the kind of opposition that's coming from center for something which, you know, as Justice Chandrachur puts in very often as a reminder that ultimately all we are talking about is equal rights. And you know, one feels hopeful because there's someone like him, but at the same time, when one hears certain comments by, you know, suppose the law minister, then it's extremely distressing to, you know, say that, okay, even if the Supreme Court does something, we take it back to the parliament and might overrule it. So it's, you know, going through these ups and downs because also one does not know, I at least do not know as a layman all the nitty-gritties of what happens if suppose tomorrow the Supreme Court says that we are going for you know marriage equality, what can happen in the parliament, you know, if the centre still decides to continue opposing it and changing something. So all these thoughts, I think not just me, a lot of us are thinking about it. And, you know, when people keep telling that why don't you go to the parliament, let it go to the parliament through the process. And it's almost like we have you know, a lot of us have, you know, waited a lifetime for it to get decriminalized and we don't want to wait another, I don't know how many years till they actually, you know, because the parliament as such till now has been extremely homophobic in their 
you know and it runs across parties you know it's very patriarchal male you know energy out there which i think just is not comfortable with the idea of uh, homosexuality and queerness in general you're saying yeah homosexuality and queerness in general yes in general like the overall you know you can feel it the energy it's there you know even before when shashi taru tried to table you know the it just gets thrown out immediately you know every time these uh, discussions come up in the parliament so uh, one does not trust you know and also the thing is what is this sense of entitlement that this set of cisgendered men will decide how much of equality we are entitled to despite us being equal citizens we are supposed to be equal citizens with equal voting rights in this country uh, we contribute to the economy of the country to the art to the culture to everything you know whereas suddenly in a social sphere in certain aspects we are not considered to be equal one set of people are supposed to decide how much of equality is okay is permissible will not you know make the society crumble okay we'll come to one or two points you raised a little later but meanwhile you did say that in the beginning there were was a little bit of a excitement do you think that you said ups and downs do you think that expectations had been heightened at some point during the hearing i think the first week kind of ended with more of hope you know whereas the second week has been really you know the second part of it has been even more rough because i think the more they realize how futile uh, and how senseless is most of the argument the more aggressive and more unkind you know i will say i'll use the word unkind because some of the terms that's being used you know almost making as if the entire queer populations are pedophiles and you know it, like really really atrocious uh, you know comments so which started more towards the second half of the proceedings you know and i feel that comes from a, a sense of desperation because you know i think right from the way we've been arguing for the case and the way justice chandrachur and his team has been reacting it looked more you know positive and hopeful and that what makes sense and logic and i think that suddenly there is this you know also this game of saying that okay we can constitute a body and look at those specific problems you know be it bank account or housing and you know and i feel that why you know why do we have to treat it as something else separate yeah so that part i was going to in fact come to that uh, perhaps the courts have realized that is not a question of just saying okay from tomorrow you can have same sex marriages many other laws will have to be changed which is not the courts mandate which is under parliament's preview upper view and you know they go up to some 30 odd laws like pension like inheritance like nominations and so many other things so do you think that it's that simple a and b do you think that the idea floated by the court and immediately accepted by attorney general which is who's representing the government and eventually even by the petitioners that let's look at everything including cohabitation and various other laws of inheritance etc but without the marriage part so what i'm trying to say is that it is not as simple as it may appear 
Do you think that that's the case? I don't think so. I feel that actually it's very, very simple. If one wants to do it, if one wants to, it's just a question of just like, you know, once mentioned that whatever is there as a man and a woman and one replaces with the word partner or spouse, immediately everything falls into place. If there are, if there's a man and a woman who is willing, to, you know, as man and wife can go and open a joint account, it just becomes that it is replaced and it could be two men and everything else follows. We are the same you know, we are all at the end of the day, human beings living in the same country following. We follow every other single law. Do we have separate, you know, traffic laws for ourselves? And, you know, so I just find that it is ridiculous that, you know, something which is, it is the will. If one has the will, of course, all those 32 or whatever number of laws need to be addressed. But I think they are not so complex if one wants to do it. And one should, because what is more important is human rights. What is more important is equality. So if things need to change, even if it takes time, the process has to start. But if that will is there, if that understanding is there, that what is right now the status is fundamentally wrong, then the process, you know, like it has happened in all other countries, you know, we are not in some separate planet. We have already examples of, I think, more than 32 countries where, you know, same-sex marriage is accepted. Why can't we learn? You know, we can have easily military exercises with other countries. Let's have some, you know, exercises learning about same-sex marriage laws and adoption laws and how, you know, counseling happens to you know for be it adoption be it marriage and how are these societies dealing with this has is it that all these societies have just collapsed you know so i just feel that if the will is there there is enough resources enough example enough research work enough you know practical examples to see you know there are so many indians you know because of this law there are many indians who are from the community who whenever they can they migrate they leave the country and they are married some with children living happily abroad so how is it possible there you know these are the same indians we are you know we might have taken up citizenship elsewhere else but you know basically we are from this country which you know we don't become some other type kind of creature that we need you know something it's so difficult to figure out how are we going to have a law that deals that tomorrow like for example simple thing like if my partner has an accident and i go to the hospital and he has to be put into a ventilator or whatever i don't have the right to sign now how is it very difficult to change this where i have as much right as a woman would have or a man would have you know a heterosexual couple would have on each other's lives you know so what drastically needs to change there you know it's just a question of instead of it being man and woman that one opens up as just partners or you know couple whatever word spouse i'm asking a little bit of a provocative question in as it were why do members of the community want marriage because uh, you said 32 countries, it's actually 34 around the world have introduced laws, but it's still 32 or 34 out of 180. Why do they want to get married? My answer is very, very simple. It's not for me. It's like, why do you have the right to even ask me this question? Who, why does anybody have the right to deprive me of something which they have? right as a citizen it's my choice 
simple. You know, and I'm not doing a crime if I want to have a, you know, if I want to be married to someone. And it's not that tomorrow if you pass the law, every second queer couple is going to get married, just like every heterosexual couple does not believe in marriage. So there will be a lot of us who do not believe in the institution of marriage, you know, and just like it's there in the heteronormative world. So why is it that we are even asked this question? Why is this choice? This choice is about equality. Whether we exercise it or not is our right. You know, it is if someone feels happy to get married, just like you or any other, you know, anybody else who is heterosexual, why should anyone have the right to stop that person from now? I don't believe in marriage. That doesn't mean I start saying that, oh, let's stop the institution of marriage in the heterosexual. Why do these heterosexuals want to get married? Right. And in a country, why should minority, you know, we are minorities in a democracy, every minority right is supposed to be the same, you know. So why does one group of people have the right to question me? I'm not questioning them. You don't see this idea that's been floated in the court and the government immediately accepting it. You don't see that as an incremental step in the right direction? I would see it as a step forward as long as they are not opposing the Marriage Act, you know, because the Marriage Act, that is something that should happen with the Marriage Act. You know, all those things need to be addressed, they should be addressed, and the government should actively take part in it, but not by first blocking the Marriage Act. You know, then it does not mean anything. That means, again, you're depriving us of our right as equal citizens in this country. Now, we saw with Article 377, after it was repealed, and there were a lot of hiccups on the way, when it was repealed and there was a lot of celebration and all that, societal prejudices did not vanish. We know that. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to take a long time to vanish. Similarly, do you think that there is a, I won't say danger, but there is a kind of, suppose this is allowed, and there is still, you know, families will come down heavily on their children. Society, you may not get place to stay. All those things will still happen. So how will things change? So my answer is, again, simple. This is not something specific to the community. Because, you know, whenever one talks of problems, it's almost like it's specific to the community. But it is not. Today, if you are talking of, like, we have had laws against dowry we have laws against domestic abuse against whole lot of you know child marriage for example for years right but it's still a very much prevalent factor in our society but that doesn't mean that we don't have the law because that is the first step that there are people who can still go to the you know judiciary to be addressed if one has that at least like today when we have been decriminalized at least i can sit here with you and argue you know i can make a film without getting censored that okay the relationship that i'm showing is criminalized by law there was a time when i was told that oh in your film there are two men looking at each other romantically you cannot show that no one can tell me that, you know. So similarly, I feel that, yes, tomorrow if I get married, there might be people who have a problem that I'm living with my partner, but maybe not. You know, similar problems people have when, I mean, today, unfortunately, in many cities, even if you are a couple, if you are from mixed 
you know, caste or religion. You don't get to stay in every building. There are people who anyway have problems, you know, if you're a vegetarian, non-vegetarian. So we will navigate through all that like everyone else is navigating various challenges that, you know, I think we are a strong community. We have, you know, navigated through a lot of prejudices, hate, oppression over decades, centuries, however. So we are not so, we don't shy off from having to negotiate with all that more. But what is more important is to be empowered by law, because when we are empowered by law, it is easier to fight these battles. Remember, the law is something that you can use then as a absolutely. weapon to go against prejudice. Is that what absolutely. you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Tomorrow, if I want to buy a house, you know, and I'm legally my partner is recognized as a partner, then I can have a legal document saying that this house belongs to both of us as partners. And tomorrow, if something happens to me, he will inherit uh, this house. You know, I know, I know of people who have been living together and when one partner has died, the other partner has been thrown out of the house by the family, have not had access to his, you know, partner's body. You know, so these things happen when we are recognized legally as, you know, partners, then I feel that we'll be empowered to at least try and, you know, fight for our rights. Right now, we can't even try because we are not legally empowered. So in that sense, it's a very, very important flagship right. Is that... Uh... Absolutely, yeah. because, you know, it's not just about that wedding ceremony, which is, of the you know, very often people make it sound like that. And people don't understand that there is so much more. There are people who will say that, oh, you can do in your bedroom what you want. You know, that's one of the recurrent comments that you, but why do you have to be in our face? And I'm like, but everything about you is on our face right from childhood. And wedding is not about bedroom you know marriage rights is not about bedroom it is much more you know it is so many more other rights that is associated with it you know this case has been going on it's on the front pages every day this it's one of the really high profile cases of recent times is it my sense and you can correct me but my sense is that even prominent members of the LGBTQ plus community who may be in very, very influential positions in the country have not outed themselves or not been able to support it. Or, uh, and if they did, if they could and did, they would carry a lot of clout because at least they become some sort of role models and the word spreads that these are the people who matter who are saying these things. Uh, you know, I always have had this stand that I know like a lot of people talk about being in a closet is a choice and everyone needs to. I understand it's not easy and one has to navigate. But I feel that people who are empowered and that's why it's so, so heartening to see someone like Duti Chant come out the first probably sports person of that stature coming out and saying I'm lesbian and she wins the you know Olympic medal for the country I think that is empowering and also you know also breaks the myth of this urban it's a urban whatever almost like as if it's a fashion I mean she comes from uh, you know rural Orissa 
and i always feel that you know one knows of so many industrialists people from my industry politicians journalists you know and i just wish that they had you know because they're empowered enough to come out and when you see that when you see a team coop come here and you know it's an irony that he's here visiting india while the you know court is hearing this case and you see how right from the prime minister to everybody is wooing him you know for investment and you realize that at the same time in the you know court there are so many like really atrocious homophobic comments happening you know so i think if many more people like you know this team cook would come out from india it would also one is inspire many more people youngsters to come out claim their space because all this makes a difference the more we know one is out and also opinion makers you know sometimes when i'm these days for the last one week watching television i'm tired i only see the same faces because there is only a handful of us speaking everywhere and one knows that it's not just this handful of us there is so many of us who have the agency to be able to actually speaking you know and they're not doing it and i think it comes from also fighting their internal homophobia you know when you grow up in a society you know like for example when i grew up i didn't even know anything about myself you know because i was missing in my literature in my science in my history in my films books nowhere you know so till a certain point in life you are an invisible being and then you you know kind of learn that okay this is me accept yourself and then your this whole journey of making others you know see that yeah you know you ought to be treated as a equal human being so it's constantly navigating your identity and i think everyone does not find it easy to do that some people find it still difficult to come out of those you know memories of childhood the memories of shame the memories of being considered lesser you know and i think all that can only change when you have you know sexuality and gender being introduced to children you know a lot of people talk that oh you know if children see uh parents you know two men what will they say who is the father and mother but that's the problem if from childhood they're you know made to respect that you could have two mothers or a mother and father or two fathers what matters is parents who love you and there can be children there will be children in your class who identify as queer you know and it's okay and then there are these three genders and sexuality and you normalize it because that is the most important space is how you know children grow up you know and i feel that as a society that's why it will take time because all these people the society we have around us have grown up having looked at us and we also ourselves having looked at us as lesser you know so it won't change overnight just because the court empowers us but it's important because there is a certain value to your legal status you know so why do people you know a lot of people want the marriage thing instead of just staying as live-in couple you know because there is a certain value in you the society looks at you differently and a lot of us want that you know we'll be right back after this short break welcome back to the wire talks 
what did uh, you came out early on in your career in an industry known for uh, hiding things like most industries i should not pinpoint it yeah but uh, you came out you made a film your most famous film my brother nikhil about aids and uh, same sex relationships you then went on to do many more and then you wrote a book in which there was absolutely no ambiguity what did people say to you in your business when you did this i think unfortunately my industry is quite i mean firstly your peers i feel that you know my industry is an industry which has this double standards all the time you know so in one side i feel that you know like even today there will be platforms everyone celebrating my film you know my brother nikhil and i am after so many years every pride month comes you know they'll all want to do inclusion talks but when it comes to even like in 2005 what the challenges i faced when i wanted to do anything which is queer narratives are the same challenges which i face now you know because now of course the doors have opened up a little bit more because of you know the 2018 judgment but it has opened up to narratives which are narrated by cisgendered men and women about us you know so suddenly i'm always watching films which are others look at me where the validity of my life is all about someone else accepting me and as a filmmaker for me you know in 2005 when i was my making my brother nikhil it was important that you know at that time it was about ex- family acceptance when i made 2011 i am it was more about the law you know i was speaking about how it was misused by the uh, police but now when i'm making a film you know i want to talk about our lives which i call from the queer gaze because my life is not taking baby steps like the heterosexual world is trying to take baby steps in understanding me and accepting me my world is much more beyond their acceptance and their celebrating me i need to celebrate myself we need to celebrate our stories and i don't see our industry easily you know all through my career you know my films and also my book because you know the industry has its awards or whatever which recognizes beat literary work or film work but never has the industry actually apart from meeting me and saying wow brave you're brave and you're doing this it is into actual action you know never have the films been uh, recognized never neither has the book been recognized by the industry of course when they meet me they are all will say that how brave i am but for me it's not being brave it's just being honest it's being honest about myself and i feel that the industry unlike hollywood you know where you see that there's a conscious effort year after year to you know slowly it's also you know it's not that overnight everything will change there but there's an effort to empower films which talk about diversity which talks about women empowerment which talk about lgbtqi even this year you know three of the films which were in the final lists and you know two of the films that won you know be the whale and everything that's a big name i keep forgetting both had very strong queer elements you know i see that here we celebrate only when it's seen from a again very heteronormative perspective of our lives and i have people actually telling me constantly that 
aren't you tired? Why are you always fighting? You know, can't you just chill? You know, and I'm like, but I'm not fighting. I'm just, you know, it's easy for you because you're in the other side of the hedge. You have everything given to you on a platter when you're born, being a heterosexual, cisgender, especially men, you know, women have to still. And that's why I find that women are much more supportive in the entire journey. And I am fighting because I'm demanding what is my right, you know, and you have to be a coward not to want to speak up you know, for that. And, you know, a lot of us live in our castles, you know, where you have a perfectly, but I feel that when you live an entire life, and I see this industrialist and really powerful people, and you can't even say, I am whoever I am, and your entire life is over. You know, how do you feel inside? I sometimes wonder, you know, and I feel that, you know, I don't, you know, when people ask me, when did you come out? I don't know. Because, you know, I never made it a point to go and say that, hi, I'm, you know, gay, but whoever, my friends, right from when I came to Bombay, all of them knew. All of them were a part of my journey. My street friends coming with me to gay parties to just, you know, experience what happens. And, you know, so I didn't have, like, beat with my family. I didn't have this evening when I said, mom, dad, brother, sister, let's sit and talk. You know, so I feel that one fine day, just like they realized that my sister was having a boyfriend, my parents realized that I was in love with someone. We never had conversations, you know, about, oh, my God, what has happened? I don't know how, but they were accepted. My, you know, whoever I had a relationship were accepted without, you know, I feel extremely fortunate. I don't know for how I am. I have been in a family like that, but right from my siblings, you know, there has been a total acceptance without ever questioning. You mentioned something in passing, but as your identity, your sexual identity, your, you know, the fact that you've been so open about it, unlike many others, and names do do the rounds, has it affected your career? Yes, I think so. You know, initially, I used to think no, but I realized I was lying to myself by saying that there is no homophobia because I realized that despite, like I mentioned, that my films being talked about, traveling across the world to film festivals, being taught in universities, I realized even after so many years, I'm still making films independently. You know, the last film that I made actually was something where uh, the, you know, studios and all, whoever I was talking with, backed out very last minute because of certain statements that I'd made publicly. And I just used my life insurance money and made my film. So, you know, I feel that somehow that in a way, maybe it's, I have become so used to being independent that, you know, it somehow I figure out and do it. But the fact that having to do it, despite now there being OTTs and whatever, have to be constantly, you know, theoretically being told that, oh, you are this voice for LGBTQI cinema and activist. But uh, when it comes to empowering that voice, I just feel more resistance because every time I will go, they will be like, oh, we are taking baby steps or not right now. And then I'll see some cisgendered man or woman making something which is problematic. Do you think that being... Uh... Yeah, so, uh, you know, also I feel that the problem is, the you know, prejudices I feel is just because I've been out and proud gay, people also 
want to restrict your identity as a filmmaker that acha he to only makes those kind of films because for a long time they won't even say gay or queer they don't want to utter that you know dirty word as it seems but uh, there is this thing of trying to you know people you know though in my actual till now the number of films i've done there are more films which are you know not really of queer narratives but i feel that that is the perception and people you know when my name is suggested for various things will just dismiss saying that oh but he makes those kind of films you know there are even filmmakers who before making a film which has a queer narrative have come up to me and said that only guess what we are making your kind of film and i want to tell them don't you know because if i'm making a film you know i hear of filmmakers telling that oh we had to do research and we had a consultant to help us understand and i'm like oh when i made my last film which was about a straight relationship i didn't need a consultant and i didn't need someone to figure out how to straight people fall in love or make love or you know so if it is so difficult to understand our lives then just stay away let us do it you know but then they all also want that tick mark you know that okay now it's also you know i am the voice no not only that i think there is this my uh, opinion there is this compulsion or temptation to become a progressive voice and be seen as doing it and you know the other thing is there has been so much social media and other pressure that you know you must so they'll do yeah. one tick mark on caste one tick mark yeah. on sexuality there is this observation i'll tell you and because i was discussing this with apurva asrani you know the writer for maker editor who is also out and proud and we were seeing so many filmmakers you know even when this uh, supreme court discussion is happening talking about it like oh my god there is so much drama happening we should make a film out of it and there all this is gendered straight men you know and there is this tendency of also appropriating our lives our stories and our journey and quickly taking it over because quote unquote they're commercially bigger names so you know things will flow so you suddenly see that your struggle you where you've been the voice you've been you've lived in experience is taken over by someone who pretends to be suddenly the authority of your narrative you know and similarly you know when i approach a lot of artists you know with a queer or gay character or lesbian they'll say that oh onir but we have just done a gay role or a lesbian role and i'm like but what is a gay role or lesbian you know you have done maybe 30 films where you're playing straight character there's nothing called a gay role or a gay character we are different shades we are not one homogeneous or gay thing you know we are different people we have different stories different lives so i feel that understanding because everyone wants that tick mark oh my god i've done one gay role so now i'll be thought as this very open minded progressive actor who gets an award and then does not speak anything about what is happening at the supreme court or anywhere you know because of course we are artists and we are not supposed to be political but this is not political this is about human rights it's about rights of the character that you pretend that you care for and benefit benefit by doing that character so you are being extremely dishonest when you benefit from our stories and you are silent when it comes to you know giving us that support
in reality but to be honest i mean to be give you the other side say if there are not many openly gay filmmakers out and about then if the stories get told why not let the stories get told uh, my reaction to that is simple there was a time there were not too many women filmmakers there was an effort and there are these days female collectives and different things that even ott platforms have to empower more voices of women behind the camera and we are talking of equal parity in terms of you know payment and everything so how why should one not think are we again the second class citizen that you know ours journeys that even the filmmakers that are there won't be asked to tell our stories okay and there is no one considering that okay you know it's almost like okay we have done one lgbtqi show or film out of 100 you know so it's almost like it's again this tick marks and it's not coming from a compulsion that there are they are not just lgbt stories they are stories and the more we have them the more there will be acceptance in society because people need to see us also bereft of all this um, what you call stereotypes that we have i do not think that in an ideal world that only gay people should do their stories and straight people do their stories you know but i feel right now we are more empowered being from the queer community to tell the stories of straight people because we have accepted you all the way you all are but you know the straight community is still struggling to understand us so let us tell our stories till you figure out how to understand us as equals the repeal of article 377 which decriminalized homosexuality and since then we've had the pride parade which was in there some years ago many parents have accepted their child sexuality so do you think that things are changing and will change further in the future where do you see things emerging from now on i think that is the whole point that all this difference is also happening because of what happened in 2018 you know and i feel that a lot depends on what happens in july when the verdict comes out from the supreme court because the minute you are empowered in e- each and every space as an equal i feel that lot more pe- you know a happier nation where more people are happy because they can be open and proud of their identity be it as religion caste or sexuality where it's recognized and celebrated i feel the nation grows better so it's not just about us it's about brain drain not happening it's about creative or you know talented people from the queer community not leaving the country and having to seek other safe spaces where they can live with dignity you know where you know where children queer children don't have to commit suicide because they're constantly getting bullied in school because no one talks about you know no one empowers the other children with the knowledge that it's okay you know and we had such you know very sad case even recently in delhi with arushi aish so i feel that all this i am hopeful you know i think we've always despite ups and downs what keeps us going is hope you know for the community and that's why even in 2013 despite the negative you know we kept on and that's why 2018 could happen so i feel that you know things will have to change for the better you know we are you know we are not that tiny in terms of number 
you know, and more and more of us are becoming aware that this is not okay. And this so-called minuscule population is not that insignificant. It's significant enough to be heard and we will be empowered. It's always wonderful to hear a note of hope and to end a discussion on a note of hope. You know how things move in this system. Sometimes they go forward, sometimes they move backwards, and sometimes suddenly things move forward and when nobody is expecting it. So if that is your hope, and presumably that is the hope of so many others, I mean, you must have a good feeling about having this hope. Otherwise, how do you move personally? Yeah, I feel that's how I look at everything in life, not just, you know, about this court thing. It's about how to make my films because those challenges are always there. And then when one figures out how, it's the joy is so much more because you have crossed those hurdles. So I feel that every time we, you know, the we shouldn't have had to fight those battles, but because we fight those battles, I think also we become better. I, I would like to at least believe that it happens with most of us, that we also start recognizing other minority rights more, I feel. Of course, there are people who don't, even in the community. But overall, I feel when you yourself have faced various forms of discrimination, you become aware of the quote-unquote other. And you want to, you know, for me, it's extremely important as a person that not to be just talking about LGBTQI rights, but other minority rights equally. And I feel that is the growth that one gets being a part of the community that you see, you know, much more than just, it's not just your life. You know, you see, you know, I think we are better allies even for women, you know, women for all uh, feminist movements. I think the queer community and likewise we have better you know because on top of it there's patriarchy which is oppressing all of us you know so yeah i feel that it kind of you know i feel that when you look at everything every such ultimate win as victory and as empowerment then it doesn't not you know you look back and you feel good about it that okay i did it we did it wonderful once again, Onir, thank you very much on that very uh, hopeful and clear-headed explanation of why this is important. Clear-headed only because a lot of people are still a little confused. And I'm sure it's clear that you have really, really worked on this and you have good reasons. You presented very, very strong reasons why this could happen. I can only say, obviously, I cannot be fully empathetic about what somebody like that goes through. But I can say that one is faced with so many different kinds of societal prejudices at this very moment that every victory is a battle won for uh, the war to be won eventually. So thank you once again, Onir. Thank you, Siddharth. That was Onir, the well-known filmmaker and author too, I would say speaking about the ongoing case in the Supreme Court about same-sex marriage or rather equal rights for same-sex couples. We'll be back once again next week with another guest. Till then, this is Siddharth Bhatia and the rest of the team saying goodbye from The Wire Talks. You can check out this podcast and other interesting ones on The Wire website, 
the IVM podcast website, app, or wherever else that you get your podcasts. Goodbye from me, Siddharth Bhatia, and the Wire Talks podcast team.